Mike Hill with Empowering Others Through God's Word. My life has been changed, renewed, challenged, and encouraged by the power of God's love letter, the Bible. It has the answers to my deepest longings. I want you to experience this wonderful transformation too as we go deeper into the written word of God. Welcome to season three of Empowering Others Through God's Word. The first five podcasts will focus on biblical Esther and some very practical truths from this historical narrative. The following five podcasts will focus on what scripture reveals about suffering, a very timely topic as we navigate life in our troubled world. Don't miss a single episode. Let's tune in now to today's podcast. Welcome back, Ellen Cron, to uh, to session two on empowering others through God's word. And with Ellen Cron from Elvira, Ontario, we are looking at the story of Esther. And last time we looked at the mystery of God's choosing. You won't want to miss it. Go back and uh, check under wordstoinspire.ca under my podcast and you will find it there. You won't want to miss any of these sessions. They are relevant for today. So Ellen, what a great time we had first session in looking at the mystery of God's choosing Esther for such a time as this. And today we're going to move on into the essentials of divine appointments. But before we do that, before we look at the essentials, let's just catch up the storyline as we come into to, uh, session two. What's happening now at the uh, beginning of chapter two? Mm. Well, there's such an important transition taking place um, in this moment, and of course, we find um, Esther becoming queen after Queen Vashti was disposed of in in chapter one, and this amazing story begins as Esther steps from her place of humility, um, steps out of her place of security, steps out of her place of growing with God, with her people, everything seems that it is like it ought to be. And this isn't the first time that Esther finds herself in a difficult position. Remember, she lost her parents. Mm -hmm. She became orphaned. And so she knew loss before. She knew pain before. But she had healed. She had grown from that place. And so this here is actually another pain place for Esther. It's another loss place for Esther. It's a, it's a great place of loss where she can no longer live with her cousin Mordecai who cared for her, raised her, taught her. And all of a sudden she finds herself ripped out of that into something very, very different, very, very foreign, with nothing at all looking like she expected. And somehow I'm feeling the heart of some of our listeners out there that are finding themselves in a deep lost place today, that are finding themselves in that place unfamiliar, unknown not understanding at all. Everything secure seems to be shaken. 
and taken away and removed. And these places are so important for us to stop before we move into the place of Esther becoming queen and all that that meant. Like we love the end story of what happens. We love the story. In fact, sometimes I think we've made this story of Esther into a little bit too much of a Cinderella story. You know, where it's um, a young girl moving from ordinary to queen, right? Mm -hmm. Without realizing the cost of that. Mm -hmm. What it meant. I think it's noteworthy that that what you have just said, she had this huge loss of both parents. And that's no easy thing for a young child to lose one parent, but to lose both. But Ellen, because we've looked at the mystery of God's divine choosing, we also look at the mystery of the circumstances that we go through to prepare us for a next step. And as you were talking uh, about Mordecai in session one and his love for her, she had experienced the loss and the pain and the grief, but she also experienced that God provided this loving man who then took over the role of both parents, really. For sure. So she was experiencing in the middle of all this, she was experiencing God at work in her life. Whether she was able to identify it, she was experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And if you remember in, in our first section, we mentioned, you know, the important key players and Haggai shows up at this point as a very, very key player for Esther. And it seems in the story that he comes alongside Esther. He And so there's almost the provision of a caregiver when Mordecai could no longer be there. I didn't even think of that before, but he does. He becomes, he takes on a strategic role for Esther. It's almost like he becomes her protector. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he... Um, likes Esther that unfolds in chapter two there of where, you know, he's in charge of the other women too, but he singles out Esther as coming alongside her. He sees her character. I believe he saw her character and that there was something different about Esther. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's another point that we want to take home with us today is that no matter what circumstance we step into, no matter what loss, no matter what foreign place, no matter what broken dream, someone will come alongside and see something in us that will draw that out. Mm-hmm. And he walks with her. He counsels her, actually, when she prepares to go before the king. You know, all the other women had things they wanted that they asked for. It came ab- it became more about themselves. There was this, oh my goodness, here's an opportunity. Yeah. Esther didn't say, oh my goodness, here's an opportunity. What can I do with this? Or what can I get? Yes, what can I get? You know, she didn't look for that. And Haggai saw that. 
It's interesting that you've mentioned that God's name is never mentioned, but God's favor is revealed. And it's revealed through uh, through a man, a secular man, right? A Gentile man. God can use anyone that he chooses to show favor to his people. And you just see that in such a fresh way that she has got his attention. There was nothing inappropriate that you can read in that relationship he had with Esther. No. It was a caring and I believe, as you have mentioned, that her character was shining. And, you know, when you're in a situation where life turns upside down, Ellen, our character needs to remain solid, mm-hmm. firm, firmly planted on God's word, firmly planted on who God is, not on who everybody else is around us, but firmly planted so that our character shines through not allowing you know social media to take away the character that god has implanted in us because we disagree with somebody you know that's so important in this culture of division that our character remains firmly planted in who god has created us to be and not in what the world wants us to reveal i believe that one thing that shines through this story is the power of good and the power of evil. So true. So true. Right? And yes. the good wins. But we have to know that. We in do. our own hearts and spirits. Would you agree? Oh, totally. And I think that is where um, modern day faith comes in, if you will. Right? It's that it's the hanging on to your faith. It's hanging on to what you've learned. That's what Esther did. I mean, it was 12 months of preparation where she still knew nothing. She knew nothing, really, of why she was there other than, you know, being chosen to be a part of the king's harem. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's that's all she knew. And for 12 months, she stood firm. She did what was right. And we see a bit of her character actually in chapter two when um, Mordecai uncovers a conspiracy. Remember where um, some of the uh, nobles, they weren't all good nobles. Some were against the king, some were not. Some faithfully stood with him. And by the way, Mordecai actually worked in the inner courts or the outer courts, if you will, close to the king's palace. And so he found himself there every day, which also let him know and hear about Esther and what was happening to her inside the palace. But at any rate, in his positioning, this is all about positioning, all about positioning. Mordecai's position with favor at the palace. Esther is positioned inside the palace and so our today is a position that we stand in so anyway Mordecai overhears this conspiracy of people who want to kill the king and he goes about to ask for Esther or to make sure that these people tell Esther about the plot against the king and Esther does that she tells the king about the plot against his life now here's a character glimpse of esther 
she gave Mordecai the credit. Hmm. She didn't have to. She could have, if she was self-seeking, if she would have tried to promote, elevate, to rise to fame and favor with the king, favor in her position. She didn't seek favor. She credited Mordecai. Now that is a solid, solid character glimpse into Esther. And that happens after 12 months of standing faithful, of standing firm, of doing what she was asked to do, but never letting go of her God heart and the God that she had learned to love and know. And understanding that who Mordecai was to her, right? Yeah. Who he was to her. But Ellen, let's let's paint a little bit of, of a picture of this 12 months. Because it sounds, you know, as a woman, having 12 months of beauty treatment sounds pretty incredible. I mean, come on, like, wouldn't we all love to have that? And yet, she wasn't the only one getting those beauty treatments. That's right. And when you think of a room full of women... I mean, competition is raging there. Uh, what what would that that scenario be uh, a little bit in in the palace beauty parlor, as it were? Mm. Well, I think it again very clearly speaks to Esther's character. I really do. I think it speaks to her solid foundation in God, her love. For God, because it's our love for God that holds us in a in a period that is very foreign, not what we dreamed of. Doesn't even include our vision, our hope. Doesn't include our calling. This is not a calling place, or at least by all appearances. Being in this beauty parlor for 12 months, what's that got to do with my calling? And we can look at our circumstances today and say, this has nothing to do with my calling. This has nothing to do with my aspirations for God. This has nothing to do with moving forward the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so powerful. And the, the thing that was coming to me is that this harem of women, they were all beautiful women. None of them were lacking in physical beauty. None of them. They were stunningly beautiful. That's why they were chosen. But imagine this, you know, with our own self-esteem inadequacies and, and flaws, the natural tendency would be to be comparing yourself. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's, that's human nature. That's that's not evil. That's human nature. How we control it is God ordained. But that's the natural to look and say, "Oh, she's going to win this contest for sure." Yeah. But I'm th- I'm thinking of an old book by Joyce La- Landor. It was it's called The Fragrance of Beauty. I don't know if you've ever read it or not, but I have not. Was, yeah, and it's it's just a beautiful book of showing the fragrance of true beauty, which which the New Testament, of course, speaks of the fragrance that we give off of Christ. But in that, she tells of she and her mother being at a fashion show, and there was one model that was, she was just stealing the show. Everything she did, 
It was just impeccable dress, eyes, hair, and, and everybody just kept looking at her. And when she would walk, she would get more accolades and more clapping. And, and she was definitely the star of the show. But Joyce and her mom just happened to pass by this woman, this, this, uh, model, and she was chatting with some of the other women. But what came out of her mouth was anything but beautiful. And Joyce said her beauty was lost in that moment. And I, I just couldn't help but think of that story as, as my mind was just seeing this room filled with women, all being treated with oil and fragrant spices, and just their skin is soft and supple and they're beautiful. And it's just a place to propagate jealousy and envy and the worst in women. That is exactly one of the words that came to my mind as well as you were talking, is that um, it was definitely a setting, a scenario that was explosive with the possibility of jealousy, right? And and the possibility of, of uh, self-seeking and the possibility of being raised up above someone else. I mean, it was all leading to that. I mean, really, who who wouldn't? You know, there's every potential yeah. Yeah. to have your heart being dragged away with that. Yeah. And so even just in this short, you know, looking at this story, there's so many character traits of Esther that come forward that aren't talked about. No, no. they're not talked about, but they're so evidently there. And so maybe that's, you know, again, another picture of us uh, that we need to remember as well is that we don't need to seek for prominence and position and fame and success and something that someone else maybe is being positioned for as well. Like there's competition. It's a room full of strong, strong competition and she remains faithful for the duration. We know that because as she proceeds through this circumstance that she finds herself in, her her choices, her words, what she does, yeah, you know, is such a strong evidence of her strong God heart. It wasn't just a learning the word it became a part of her. Mm. Mm. It was who she was. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad we took time, though, to, to talk about this because these are, uh, for the woman today, these feelings, these emotions, they've always been part of human nature since the fall. And unless we recognize them, we can't do anything about that. And so I think as we go into the essentials of divine appointments, this will help us because we're not trying to be uh, ethereal. We're trying to be practical and say, we are human. We can have these tens. I personally, in my ministry, compared myself to other leaders and thought, I'll never be able to do that. 
And, and probably I won't be able to do that because that's not my call. But I think it's really important that we address the emotional aspect of women yes. in ministry or just in your job, just in your home, because it's often overlooked. It's like, pull up your bootstraps. Well, no, let's look at how we can practically pull up our bootstraps to be the woman that God has called us to be. But we cannot ignore the natural human conditions. God says in his word that the heart is deceitful above all else. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. We're not immune. We're yeah. not immune. So we're not here trying to tell everybody else how to do this, Ellen. You and I have experienced this, and we've had enough good conversations over the years that we know that we're ordinary women with emotions like everyone else. Exactly. You're just in the journey trying to learn from God's word, from biblical characters, from others who've modeled well uh, for us, how we can navigate all of this you know, hormonal influence every month and that goes on forever, even though we don't always have the signs of it. You know, it's just a reality. And uh, I think that there are women today that need to hear this because you're making decisions during a time of instability, perhaps during a monthly cycle or when you're emotionally, emotionally low. And that can be devastating to the outcome. So be grounded. And so we're going to, uh, we're not going to be able to, in this session, we're not going to be able to do all of these, but we're going to cover them. So what I'm going to suggest is that we kind of wrap up the story and start a brand new session because these are so essential. I don't want to rush through them. I think there's conversation in each one of these, these um, points that you have here, Ellen. And so Finish up, we'll finish off the storyline for session two and then session three, we will dive right into these practical essentials of divine appointment. How does that sound? Mm, that sounds wonderful. I'm so, so glad that you brought out again and, and stayed on and spent a little more time in, you know, looking at, um, Esther as a young girl and then, spending time for us to just sit still, you know, for a minute and to look at who we are as women, right? And Esther's story cannot reach deep into our personal place of all those things that we struggle with as women if we don't take the time to look at Esther's struggle because there was one. There was a deep struggle. And as we look at the, you know, the essentials in our struggle is really what we're going to be looking at is what is essential to take place in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of the broken dreams like Esther, in the middle of never being able to marry a young Jewish boy like she had planned, never being the mom to um, children that she would raise in her community with her people as she knew it, right? And uh, just all the loss and the brokenness. And so, yes, let's just be brave enough to sit a little with our losses, with our brokennesses, with our um, our competition, with our fears, she must have had great fear in that place where she found herself. 
right? And what would it mean? And just the, all the nuances of a, of the circumstance. And so for our listener today, take the time, be brave to sit in your circumstance mm. and, um, and be okay with the loss. Know that it's okay to feel lost. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to even struggle with wanting mm. something as glamorous as what was ahead or what appeared to be ahead. It's a wrestling. And so don't be afraid of the wrestling. And then in our next session, we will look at what do we do as we sit with the wrestling? Oh, that is so good. I can't wait for session three because this is so practical. But thank you for being patient with us as we want you to go deeper in your love for God and the love for his son. And when we come to understand that we're not so different from one another, we have we have human nature as a common denominator. The way we navigate it may be different, but we want to help you navigate your course as you seek God's divine appointment for your life. So don't miss a single episode. Thank you, Ellen. And until next time, bye for now. Amen. Bye. I'm so glad you tuned in today. My prayer is that you will continue your journey in God's Word with me. Visit our website, wordstoinspire.ca. All the previous podcasts are stored there. You can learn more about our ministry, Words to Inspire. The books available. The four books in the WOW series are great for group or individual study. Woman of Worth, Lifelong Empowerment from Psalm 139, Woman of the Word, a Memorizing Scripture Experience, Woman of Wisdom, Threads of Covenant Woven Through the Book of Ruth, and Woman of Worship, a Journey to the Heart of Worship. And the other book in our web, on our website is Unborn, Untold, True Stories of Abortion and God's Healing Grace. All of our books from the Words to Inspire website show the power of God's Word in our lives. And that's what we want for everyone, to know the power of reading, meditating, memorizing, studying, writing, and all of the other ways that you can put God's Word into your heart and life. I'd love to hear from you. Ruth at wordstoinspire.ca Until next time, I'm Ruth Coghill, empowering others through God's Word with Words to Inspire. Bye for now.